I have thought about resigning, but, but I've also thought about what Virginia needs right now. Oh, there's an idea. Thank you, Governor. I'm all for it. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, in Santa Barbara 98.7, in San Diego 93.7, and in Ridgecrest and China Lake, California on 99.5 FM. Also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN. In Palinville, New York on WLPP, Grand Rapids WPRR. In New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, Seattle's KODX. Is the snowpocalypse continuing up there? And let's see, Goldendale, Washington's KVGD and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF, where there is always a snowpocalypse. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day for you on the Internet. It's on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed radio and detour talk, amongst others, blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today, and I'll tell you, it must be Groundhog Day. Desi Doyen, is it Groundhog Day? <laughs> it is not technically Groundhog Are Day. Are you sure you it's ask? not? Well, because it seems like, it sure feels like a lot of the stuff that we're talking about today. I'm looking at all these things I hope to get through. The things that we were also talking about just last week and the week before and the week before, in many cases, making me uh, kind of blow in my mind. Are we getting anywhere in this country at this point? It sure doesn't feel like it. We do seem to have some problems solving problems. You think? Uh, Well, anyway, I was going to say don't answer that question, but you already did. Good answer. Uh, You can call in with your answer if you like. I hope to open the phones in a little bit here on whatever you'd like to talk about. I got a lot to talk about as usual today, but our phone number will be, feel free to jot it down, 818-985-5735 if you're listening live in the Southern California area or anywhere else, 818 985 KPFK. Uh, yeah, last week we were talking about uh, the political crisis in Virginia, and we're going to talk about that again today. Uh, and by the way, has your opinion changed since we last spoke about this, uh, at least since we last opened up the phone lines on this a week ago? Uh, we got the shutdown we have to talk about. So many of these, a new shutdown. Yes, another shutdown coming potentially at the end of this week. It feels like I've heard. So many of these stories before, 
But anyway, that's the hodgepodge mess we seem to be in today. This is America. So let's uh, let's start here. President Donald Trump is in El Paso, Texas on Monday for his first campaign rally of the year. Boy, remember when Republicans used to claim that Barack Obama was still campaigning after he became president? That was darling. Trump declared his reelection campaign almost literally uh, immediately uh, after supposedly winning the 2016 election, and he has never stopped holding campaign rallies. Anyway, his latest rally is uh, is in El Paso, and uh, local officials and law enforcement there are speaking out against his recent claims about the great Texas city uh, regarding border security. During his State of the Union address last week, yes, that was just last week, Trump claimed that El Paso has become one of the safest cities in America because of a barrier fence. That set off a firestorm uh, from state and local officials. Uh, Trump had falsely claimed last week during his remarks that the border city of El Paso, Texas, used to have extremely high violent rate, uh, rates of violent crime, one of the highest in the country and considered one of our nation's most dangerous cities. Adding now with a powerful barrier in place, El Paso is one of our safest cities. Well, turns out none of that is true. I know you're shocked. The El Paso County Sheriff Yes, the guy in charge of law enforcement in El Paso almost immediately denounced Trump's remarks after the speech, saying that it is sad to hear President Trump state falsehoods about El Paso, Texas, in an attempt to justify the building of a 2,000-mile wall. That, according to Sheriff Richard Wiles, he said, while it is true that El Paso is one of the safest cities in the nation, it has never been considered one of our nation's most dangerous cities. And he added El Paso was a safe city long before any wall was built. The mayor of El Paso, DeMargo, also slammed Trump after the remarks, noting on Twitter that El Paso was never one of the most dangerous cities in the U.S. The uh, fence that was built uh, in the city was part of many barriers that were built under the Secure Fence Act. That was a bill signed by President George W. Bush way back in 2006. And yes, it was supported at the time by Democrats, the very same Democrats, many of them, that uh, Donald Trump is lying to the American people about favoring open borders. Yes, they uh, passed a law for hundreds of miles of border wall back in 2006. Uh, many of the uh, same Democrats, those very same ones, also approved 33 more miles of barrier in Texas just last year under Donald Trump. Again, those same Democrats that uh, Donald Trump likes to describe as uh, calling for open borders. The legislation under Bush back in 2006 funded hundreds of miles of fences along the southern border. Former U.S. Rep. Beto O'Rourke, who is uh, from El Paso, that's his hometown, he also jumped into this debate. He said in a tweet, Our government built a border fence in El Paso in 2008, a misguided response to 9-11, adding no terrorists have crossed the southern border and attacked this country. It did not make us any safer, said O'Rourke. On Monday, O'Rourke is also going to hold a rally at the very same time as the president's in El Paso, just down the road from where uh, Trump will 
have his uh, followers fawning. Uh, he said um, Trump, uh, the, the O'Rourke rally, I should say, according to organizers, will, quote, show the country the reality of the border, a vibrant, safe, binational community that proudly celebrates its culture, history, diversity, and status as a city of immigrants. Trump campaign officials, meanwhile, say the city was chosen for the rally to show the effectiveness of the border fence. But in fact, if facts actually mattered anymore, the uh, El Paso Times reports that violent crime rates in the city increased between 2006 and 2011, even with the the construction of the border fence. Back in 2008, the city had the third lowest violent crime rate in uh, among uh, 35 U.S. cities with a population of half a million. They had the third lowest violent crime rate from 2005 to 2007. All of that before construction of the fence began down in El Paso. And according to the uh, Uniform Crime Reports from the FBI from 93 to 2006, again, before the fencing, the number of violent crimes dropped by more than 34 percent. All of that long before any wall was built in El Paso. Still, Texas Republican Attorney General Ken Paxton, who was reelected last November, incredibly enough, despite facing felony securities fraud charges, and who also lied last week to claim that tens of thousands of non-citizens uh, had registered and voted in the great state of Texas, he declared uh, last month that El Paso used to have one of the highest crime rates in America. Since that fence went up, the crime rates in El Paso are now among the lowest in the country, so we know how it works. These guys will now just lie about just anything. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the actual facts are. It doesn't matter how much we we fact-check them. They will just say stuff that they know to be wrong, that they know to be a lie, but they don't care. So how do we deal with that? Well, I don't really know, to be honest. I've talked about it on this show, uh, how difficult it is figuring out how to cover what's going on right now in the uh, in the Trump era. I guess we just have to keep fact-checking them, however, and, and hope that uh, voters notice that they are, uh, at least some of them, being played f- for fools by these people. Monday's rallies... That's Trump's and O'Rourke's in Texas also come just days before a congressional deadline of midnight Friday to make a deal on border security before the federal government once again faces the very real possibility of yet another partial federal government shutdown. Uh, Speaking of uh, Beto O'Rourke, who is still considering a run for president, reportedly, um, over the uh, over the weekend, Democratic Senators Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts and Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota both th- uh, threw their hat into the 2020 presidential ring. Uh, that brings the total of announced. If I'm counting them all, that brings the total of announced announced Democratic congressional women to five by my count: uh, Amy Klobuchar, Elizabeth Warren, uh, Kamala Harris, Kristen uh, Kirsten Gillibrand, and Tulsi Gabbard. Plus. Uh, New Jersey Senator Cory Booker, he recently announced he's in. Uh, former San Antonio Mayor Julian Castro, 
Um, and a couple of other uh, folks as well. Uh, Mayor uh, Peter Budigig, Budigig, not even sure how to uh, pronounce his name, from uh, Mayor from South Bend, Indiana, former rep from Maryland, John Delaney. We haven't discussed the 2020 race virtually at all on this show because, uh, frankly, A, we're still working on undecided and still challenged races and lawsuits from 2018 including in North Carolina, where there is still a vacant U.S. House seat, thanks to an investigation into GOP absentee ballot fraud there. Uh, And as we may be discussing on tomorrow's show, uh, on tomorrow's broadcast, yes, again, in, in Georgia. So that's one reason. Also, it's barely 2019, and there's so much else going on. Uh, It seems like we have uh, plenty of time to get to 2020, but don't let that stop you from ringing in on 2020 if you'd like. I'll, uh, as I said, try to open up the phones in a bit to all of the stuff I've got to discuss today. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Um, And do you like anyone who is currently declared? Do you not like anyone who is currently declared? For now, I'm going to try to at least limit those calls to people who said, who have said that they plan on running for or against them. You can let me know. Give me a call. Let the world know. But, uh, yeah, speaking of that uh, possible next government shutdown at week's end and of Trump's record-long 35-day shutdown that just ended Two weeks ago, it is still reverberating and it is still a reverberating mess. And no, things are not back to normal after the previous shutdown. Washington uh, Post uh, reported late last week that um, federal workers are not getting all their money that they were owed when they were furloughed over that 35 day shutdown. For example, meat inspector Alfreda Dennis Bauer was looking forward to getting a paycheck, finally. She's a USDA uh, employee in uh, in Delaware with four decades of experience. And during the 35-day partial government shutdown, she stayed on the job, working overtime, even though she was not getting paid. So when the shutdown ended, the Post reports, she expected to get all of her payback in a lump sum, which was about $9,000. Instead, she got a check for $250. Uh, There were uh, glitches, apparently, in the USDA payroll system, so she did not get her full back pay until uh, just last Wednesday, nearly two weeks after the shutdown ended. About 120 inspectors with the USDA are still waiting for their payments. They're among, apparently, thousands of employees who have experienced delays or anomalies with paychecks at the federal agencies that went dark during that uh, 35-day shutdown. Many say they initially received half of what they were owed after working without pay or being furloughed. Others were stunned by what appeared to be excessive tax withholding for some reason. And some, uh, we don't know the exact number, had received no pay as of late last week, as of last Thursday afternoon. That apparently is just one of many challenges and headaches for these uh, agencies after being shut down. They are now holding their breath, knowing that they may have to endure another lapse in funding. If uh, if congressional leaders and Donald Trump cannot strike a deal over border security by Friday at midnight this week. If they don't, we're back to the same mess all over again. Uh, As well, by the way, private contractors, uh, many of whom will never be paid for their time off during those 35 days, 
Um, They have had to surmount other hurdles as well. Some contracts had expired during the shutdown. For example, that happened for uh, a a contract for a a group. And I guess we we shop this out now. Uh, A company who handles Freedom of Information Act requests at the Department of Housing and Urban Development. A guy who uh, works for this group said that the contract has not been renewed. And as a result, the office cannot get working on new requests at HUD for uh, new FOIA requests. Or you can't even access its database of existing requests. Well, that's convenient for HUD in it. Private contractors are also uh, waiting to be paid for uh, for work done months ago. So the president and CEO of the Professional Services Council, which, which uh, represents about 400 companies that do business with the government, he says old invoices have not been paid. New invoices have not been paid. The first thing that should be paid were the old invoices that were actually for work done last October and November, and they still have not been paid. Nonetheless, as this mess is uh, still getting mopped up from the previous shutdown, another one is now looming on Friday at midnight. Uh, And as of this weekend and into Monday, prospects to avoid that shutdown are not looking good. Um, The uh, (laughs) border security negotiations are reportedly teetering at this hour, according to AP, just days before a a potential new government shutdown. Republicans say Democrat uh, Democratic demands to limit immigrant detentions by federal authorities are a deal breaker and represent overreach by top Democrats like House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. The two sides also remain separated over how much to spend, of course, on Donald Trump's promised border wall. I hope they spend nothing. A collapse of the negotiations could imperil budget talks going forward that are required to prevent steep spending cuts to the Pentagon and domestic agencies. But the negotiations hit a rough patch on Sunday amid a dispute over curbing immigration and customs enforcement, or ICE, the federal agency that Republicans see as an emblem of tough immigration policies. That was just uh, stood up, by the way. ICE ICE did not exist. ICE is a a very new federal agency. It only uh, came into existence after 9-11. Democrats, of course, accuse ICE of going too far uh, in, uh, in, in rounding up undocumented immigrants. Um, So uh, there's a fight now over ICE that is all mixed in with this fight over the Mexican border wall. Acting White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney uh, on Meet the Press and Fox News over the weekend said uh, that uh, the White House is absolutely not eliminating the possibility of another shutdown if a deal is not reached over the wall and other matters. A national emergency, apparently declaring one, still remains an option. According to Mulvaney, even though uh, many in the administration have uh, reportedly cooled on the idea, a number of uh, powerful Republicans like Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell have warned against declaring a national emergency, arguing that it will uh, usurp power from Congress and could set a precedent for a future Democratic president to declare an emergency for a cause that he or she is not getting funding in Congress, even if it's, you know, an actual emergency like, you know, our climate crisis. 
Mulvaney uh, said, as uh, you may have heard, that even if Democrats concede some money for Trump's wall, that Trump could essentially steal the rest of it from elsewhere. He might still declare a national emergency if he does not get everything that he wants. So this should be a fun week. Um, And then, of course, there's the uh, political mess in Virginia from last week. That continues today um, and has grown since uh, we last opened the phones on this. So if you want to jump in on if your opinion has changed on all of this since we last were able to open the phones, 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Here's where we are today. Virginia Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax, the lieutenant governor, insists that he will not resign over what is now two sexual assault allegations against him. Uh, But he says that uh, everyone, quote, everyone deserves to be heard. That according to a Monday Washington Post report, Fairfax told the Post that even in the most difficult times, including ones like these, that's when it's most important to adhere to our highest values as Americans. And due process, he says, is at the heart of our constitutional democracy in order to get to the truth and be true to what we are as Americans. Everyone, he said, deserves to be heard. Even when faced with those allegations, I am still standing up for everyone's right to be heard, but I'm also standing up for due process. Now, what due process actually is or means in cases like these, uh, where no criminal charges uh, have been filed, to my knowledge, Uh, What due process means uh, remains unclear, though uh, Fairfax on Saturday released a statement calling for an FBI investigation himself into these charges against him. So that, quote, due process will provide the fairness, justice and honesty that is necessary. He has uh, reiterated that both uh, interactions were consensual, these uh, very serious uh, charges of sexual assault by him. Uh, He says both uh, interactions were consensual with both of the women in question. He said, I did not sexually assault Meredith Watson, Vanessa Tyson or anyone else. And the truth will help to confirm that statement. He added, we're looking forward to these independent investigations to get at the truth. Tyson and Watson both say that Fairfax assaulted them in the 2000s. The former at the DNC, uh, the Democratic National Convention, Back in 2004 and the later when uh, the the latter when they were uh, both undergraduates a few years earlier at Duke University. In the meantime, House Democrats in Virginia have slowed their calls down to begin the impeachment of Fairfax in Virginia. One Democratic state lawmaker had vowed late last week to begin such impeachment uh, proceedings as of today. But Virginia Delegate uh, Patrick Hope will hold off on filing the paperwork to begin those proceedings against Justin Fairfax, saying in a statement on Monday that he's, quote, open to discussions on other avenues that would accomplish the same goals. Hope remained steadfast, however, in his calls for Fairfax to resign following the allegations raised on Friday by that second woman who now claims that Fairfax sexually assaulted her, raped her, in fact. According to the allegation, Uh, Lieutenant Governor Fairfax should have already resigned, said Hope in his statement. It is atrocious that he will be presiding over the Senate of Virginia today with these allegations. The message being sent to victims of sexual assault is chilling. 
Hope said that he began the process of researching how to impeach a sitting lieutenant governor over the weekend, which has never happened in Virginia. He sent a draft of the resolution to other Democrats in his caucus. Members encouraged him to have some additional conversations before anything is actually filed. Hope says today that he's been called a racist on social media for threatening to begin impeachment proceedings against Fairfax. Hope is white. He tells the Associated Press that he called for an impeachment proceeding to begin because he believes it would trigger an investigation into the allegations against Fairfax, which, by the way, so would the uh, referral to the FBI, as Fairfax himself has done. Fairfax, a Democrat, is the state's highest ranking black politician and uh, Hope acknowledges that people are concerned about him as a white person leading the call for impeachment proceedings against Fairfax. Meanwhile, the governor of Virginia, Ralph Northam, also says that he has no plans to resign over a week since he Uh, acknowledged a racist photo appearing on his medical school yearbook, which sort of seems kind of quaint at this point. Uh, He says he's not in that picture, though he did darken his skin, he said at one time in order to play Michael Jackson in a dance contest, which he reportedly won. Virginia Governor Ralph Northam uh, repeated in an interview on Sunday that he will not resign despite revelations that he appeared in blackface in the past, reiterating his intention a week or so ago, as we talked about on this program, to ride out the crisis in hopes that he and all of us may learn something, maybe, along the way. To ever think about resigning? When the drumbeat became so loud, and by the way, they're still beating for you to step down. I don't live in a vacuum, and yes. so yes, I I have heard it, and I've had this has been a difficult week, and again, I'm I'm fine. It's been mainly difficult for Virginia in this country. So yes, I have thought about resigning, but but I've also thought about what Virginia needs right now, and I I really think that I'm in a position where where I can take Virginia to the next level, and it it will be very positive. And you know, we have a number of inequities uh, in this uh, country right now and in Virginia. And and we're in a position to really stop talking so much and now to take action with policy to address a lot of these inequities. That was Virginia Governor Ralph Northam, who is white, uh, appearing with uh, CBS's, the, uh, CBS This Morning's Gail King. Um, have you had any change of mind since last week, since we uh, last opened the phones on this? 818-985-5735 is our phone number, 818-985-KPFK. In fact, until the questions about Northam's behavior 35 years ago, he had never been seen as racist. He had uh, grown up in a racially diverse community. He attended a segregated school. To this day, he's a lifetime member, I believe, of a, of a majority uh, black Baptist church in the state. We discussed that very point on the show last week at this time about whether pushing Northam out would actually solve anything and whether it was the best thing for Virginians. And frankly, whether it was the best thing for racial relations and reconciliation in this in this country and in the state, the Commonwealth. I'm happy to say that most callers into the show a week ago uh, last week felt that he should not be rushed to resign, at least before we all made sense of what happened and what didn't. And the issue of whether Democrats would be uh, 
similarly demanding Northam's resignation if he was to be replaced by a Republican lieutenant governor. That was one of the reasons I asked about this last week. You know, Democrats were happy to push this guy over the cliff when they thought he was going to be replaced by a Democrat, an African-American Democrat. Well, that changed once the revelations about Fairfax uh, started coming out. Uh, So when we last talked, it was before the details regarding Fairfax, who is the first in the line of, uh, of succession to replace the governor, and before the additional admission from the attorney general, Mark Herring, also a Democrat, the second in the uh, line to succeed the governor if he steps down, uh, Herring admitted that he, too, once wore blackface to a party when he was 19 years old, 40 years ago, in college, to dress up as his favorite rap artist at the time, which led to a whole bunch more calls from Democrats that Herring should also step down. Now that Northam, uh, the governor, has not stepped down, which looked all but certain around this time last week, is now probably a very good thing, as I think a lot of people are beginning to discover or have discovered. Now that everyone has taken a breath to notice what's really and fully going on here, Uh, I will get to what's really and fully going on here uh, in a moment. But let me just point out that the chairman of the Virginia, the chairman of the Virginia Legislative Black Caucus is now saying he's willing to work with Governor Northam on issues important to African-Americans, according to AP Today. Delegate Lamont Bagby said on uh, Monday that he plans to meet with the Democratic governor to lay out priorities important to black lawmakers, particularly on education and housing. The Black Caucus has not officially withdrawn its calls for Northam to resign after the uh, revelation of the racist photo in his medical school yearbook. But Northam has said he wants to spend his remaining three years in office combating entrenched racial inequalities, which sounds like a good idea to me. Some black clergy and community leaders say they forgive Governor Northam for wearing blackface three decades ago, and they want to give him a second chance. Eight leaders held a news conference on the steps of the state capitol today. Former Richmond City Councilman Henry Chuck Richardson says Northam is, quote, a good and decent man who has stood with African-Americans in the past. For example, Richardson cited Northam's call to remove Confederate statues, uh, statues. Bernice Travers is president of a group that works to empower African-American voters. She says she's asked the governor to meet with leaders to talk about how to move forward together. And black leaders from around Virginia are spelling out how they want the state's embattled governor and attorney general to fight systemic racism. Their recommendations include bringing down Confederate statues in uh, increasing funding for historically black colleges The African-American leaders challenged Northam and A.G. Mark Herring in a letter obtained by the Associated Press today. They are calling on Northam to lead a campaign to raise $5 million for each of five historically black colleges and universities. And this is something uh, that I, I suspect would not have happened had Northam stepped down last week which was part of my argument that maybe it was wise to slow down a bit. We're not dealing with uh, someone with a record of overt racism, like, for example, Congressman Steve King of Iowa or even arguably President Donald Trump. 
There must be degrees of nuance. It seems to me, and you may disagree, and I welcome your calls if you do, 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. Degrees of nuance as far as what is punishable by the political death penalty. But Brad, what about what about Brett Kavanaugh and your outrage over the allegations of sexual misconduct against him when he was being considered for the U.S. Supreme Court? Good question. At the time, I was very clear in calling for a proper investigation of the facts. I don't know that I ever called for him not to be confirmed. If I did, it's because there was no proper investigation before he was being jammed through for a lifetime appointment, lifetime appointment to the highest court in the land. Unlike Fairfax or Northam or Herring, uh, specifically Fairfax in this case, uh, Kavanaugh did not call for a proper investigation by the FBI. Unlike Northam and, and Herring, he did not show contrition for his past, for his past actions, or ask to be forgiven. That letter uh, that Associated Press uh, obtained today from the African-American leaders, that comes on the same day that a separate group of black community leaders said it had forgiven Northam, and they wanted to give him a second chance, even after admitting that he wore blackface in 1984. And all of that comes on the heels of new polling, by the way, that shows that no African-American voters in Virginia also do not wish Northam, Governor Northam, to step down either. A majority of African-Americans in Virginia do not believe that their embattled Democratic Governor Ralph Northam should step down. That, according to a new poll released on Saturday. This is the Washington Post uh, Scar School poll showing that Virginians overall are evenly split on whether Northam should resign. But according to so according to the new poll, 47 percent of Virginians believe the government, sh the governor should remain in office, but an equal percentage believe he should step down among African-Americans. However, 58 percent believe that he should remain governor, while just 37 percent say he should step aside. Well, isn't that interesting? There's also a clear divide along party lines with 57 percent of Democrats still backing the governor. So he still has a majority among Democrats, but 56 percent of Republicans believe he should step down. Well, of course they do. As I reported in great detail, I believe it was Friday, uh, Thursday or Friday's show last week, if Northam, Fairfax and Herring all step down for their various controversies, that would result in state rep Kirk Cox, a Republican, and the Speaker of the Virginia House of Delegates becoming the next governor of Virginia. And as I reported in great detail on Thursday, Cox should not even be in office, much less Speaker of the House. He was voted in as Speaker uh, after the 2017 elections in Virginia only because of a questionable election in which the Democrat in uh, one of these House races in Virginia, uh, House of Delegate races, uh, the Democrat won by one single vote after a recount back in 2017, but the race was then declared a tie because a Republican election judge decided after the counting was done to include a ballot that he had previously rejected as a spoiled ballot. Oh, on second thought, yeah, I think that was a vote for the Republican. Let's put it in there. Let's make it a tie. That's what happened. 
They ended up with a tie, which was then broken when they drew lots out of a out of a bowl that gave the race to the Republican and with it control of the entire House of Delegates, which would otherwise have uh, had had to share control between the Republicans and the Democrats. But worse than that, more disturbing than that, in late January of this year, just weeks ago, a federal court panel, federal panel of judges, ordered new House district maps for the House of Delegates to be used in Virginia in their election this year in 2019 after they found that Republicans apparently hold as many as eight seats that they should not have due to GOP racial gerrymandering in 11 different House districts in the state over the past 10 years. One of those districts, which was racially gerrymandered and should not have been, was Speaker Cox's, where, according to the new maps uh, from the uh, federal court uh, that will be used this year in their their off-year elections when the entire House of uh, Delegates is up for election, Those new maps will be used, barring a surprise from the U.S. Supreme Court, which could come. But uh, under those new maps, Cox most likely would never have even been elected to the House of of Delegates. He would most likely have lost his uh, district. It would have gone for, uh, according to an analysis, to Barack Obama uh, over Mitt Romney by 10 points, this particular district. So that's the guy who would be elevated to Virginia governor in the wake of this mess if everyone else steps down? Really? And Democrats think that's a good idea? Slow down. Take a breath, people. I know there are a lot of folks in the Democratic Party's Purity Police Department right now that, uh, you know, were you know, demanding that all three of these people step down. And I guess give the state away, give control of the state away to a Republican who should not even be in office himself. We do not all have to holler out decisions at the speed of Twitter, do we? Let's take a quick break and come back to your calls. 818-985-5735. Yeah, I know. I'm really, really late. We'll get to your calls after this. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free Bradcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com donate to help us out today. <sighs> Welcome back. This is the broadcast. 
Yes, this is America. That's the song of the year, by the way, by Childish Gambino, the alter ego of uh, actor Donald Glover, uh, who won the uh, song of the year, record of the year is what they call it, I guess, at the Grammys on uh, on Sunday. Dennis? Yes. All right. And he didn't show up. Nobody knows where Childish Gambino is, by the way. He's probably working up some other great artistic achievement, frankly. Some other scheme. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. 818-985-KPFK. Talking about uh, Ralph Northam, Justin Fairfax, Mark Herring, Virginia, and anything and everything else. The shutdown, the 2020, whatever you want to talk about. 818-985-5735. Let's go to uh, David in San Bernardino. Hey, David. Welcome to the broadcast. Hey, Brad. How you doing? Uh, hanging in there. What's up, brother? Hey, I'm calling in to uh, uh, speak to the different governors and political actors that are uh, getting found with the blackface or whatever mm-hmm. accusations of them being racist and yep. whatnot. I actually uh, am perceiving, for me, a battle between the debate of equality over order and this is what i think people should realize is that it's a balancing act it seems like one side wants some utopian perfect society at some point where if anything happens that suddenly we can wave a wand we'll know the person's guilty and we'll Mm. be able to get them out of a position and that just doesn't make any sense because things have to be proven and then the other side wants to keep order and have power. I'm privileged. You're suffering. Right. So it's like a battle between order and equality, the people for equality, other people that say share and um, let's have equal treatment, and other people are saying, no, we're privileged, where we keep order to our benefit. And then it's like, really, it's a balance going on, and I just don't think any of this utopian thing that someone on the order side or the equality I ever see. I don't yeah. think either side is ever going to see their utopia. Uh, no, well, I don't think so either. And and I understand, you know, speaking out and denouncing. I understand investigation, you know, denouncing certainly in the case of Ralph Northam. Uh, I guess uh, uh, investigations in the case of Justin Fairfax, obviously, uh, given these uh, serious uh, allegations of sexual assault. Um, but, yeah, we need to slow down and and find that balance, because I don't think uh, racism goes away just because you send someone to, uh, uh, you know, their political grave and never to be heard from again. I would rather have uh, Northam in there answering questions about all of this for the next three years, if that's what it takes. Uh, I'm and, not saying yeah. that I would rather him stay or yeah. get out. Yeah. I'm just saying that. Utopian perfection and never get reached on e- for either side. Yeah. yeah, I think I'm. I I I don't know that it ever will be. Re- obviously, it will never be reached. But uh, you know, what do we get there? To, what do we do to get closer? And I'm not sure if being reactionaries ourselves ends up getting us closer. David, I, I appreciate the call. Thank you, sir. Eight one eight nine eight five five seven three five is our phone number. Uh, May Boo in Ver- in Ventura. Yeah, can you hear me? I can. What's up, Maybu? I just wanted to say I think we need a break, and that break would be the so-called African Americans or whatever they were called or they're called. They just need a break. Attacking the tentacles of racism is not going to end it. And what I mean by break is not take it easy. They need to break. Stop trying to seek acceptance by a racist country, aka the United States 
and not necessarily leave because the blood of their ancestors are in this soil, but they need to just break away. They did very well while they were segregated. And as soon as we started fighting for integration, everything went Are you, Maybu, are you calling for, for segregation in yes, this country? I'm calling for segregation, just like India. And wow! Because the what kind of what kind of name is what kind of name is Maybu? By the way, oh, it's it's just a nickname. What's oh, it's just a nickname? Yeah. Uh, and it, and what's it, your what's your background, Maybu? Where are you from? You you I'm from New York. Now, where are you from before that? Where's your family from, Maybu? My family's from Guinea, West Africa, by way of South Carolina and North Carolina. Migrated to Maryland, then migrated to New York. Are you African-American? I don't call myself African-American. I call myself one of the children of stolen Africa, because Africa's a 54-nation continent. When you say African-American, the lack of specificity tells me that you've thrown up your hands and given up. You don't even know who you are. Okay, so, so what you so what you're saying is we should separate whatever you want to call uh, African Americans or black people. Right. We should segregate them and uh, from from white people and create two different countries. Is that what you're actually calling for? That's what I'm calling for, and not countries okay. that are at odds with each other, but yeah. countries that let white people wear hoods and burn crosses if they want to, and we don't even have to worry about it. Wow. Because not not all of uh, the so-called African-Americans are non-racist. Yeah. Some of them hate people because of their color, too. But I think if we keep fighting this battle and no one acknowledges the harm that it's doing, we just keep spinning our wheels attacking the tentacles, but the main part of the octopus, just like J. Edgar Hoover and Donald Trump, all of that always remains in place. Okay. Uh, thanks, Maybu. I, I, I appreciate the call, I guess. Um, man, all right, 818-985-5735. I'm not sure how separating races in the country— I guess we, whether we, we need to separate all races at that point, right? Um. Wow. 818-985-5735. Let's go to uh, Lynette in L.A. Hey, Lynette, welcome to the broadcast. Hey, hey, long time. Thanks for the show. <laughs> sure. The fine work that you guys do always. Thank you, Lynette. You know, I may not agree with everything you guys say, but for the most part, I do, and God bless you. God bless America. Thank you. Are you are you call, uh, do you agree with that, Maybe that we need to uh, seg- segregate well, the country? To some extent. Well, to maybe some extent, we do have to have a truth and reconciliation kind of a situation and reparations yeah. and land. Okay. And, you know, a town yeah. for our own cultural yeah. restoration. Because we don't have a culture, really. I mean, we have it, but we, we're so, you know what I mean? Like, we're just all over the place. You know, we really got to know our origins and everything. You mm. know, pretty much denied family. Like, who's. Who, uh, just like what's going on at the border, who's really, you know, reuniting those families and are really serious about it? I mean, you know, it, it ain't Trump, you know, but what I'm America, about, America but, is the melting pot, man. I mean, we are supposed to be all sorts of races well, and creeds, bro, really. and yeah. And I, and and obviously, we're not a melting pot. Everybody yeah. has their own little township, and we all know this. Okay, Chinese is Chinatown. You know, we don't have an Africa town. You know, in this country, and we helped build it. You know, we ain't got no reparations. But anyway, I digress. What I was okay. going to call about yeah. was, 
if the Democrats are wearing black faces and hoods, then you know the Republicans have lynched somebody. Mm. I mean, I don't care who it is. We need to go into everybody's closets and get the bones out for hate crimes from the President of the United States, the Senate, and the Congress on down, because a lot of them are Klan's members themselves. Yeah. Okay, they took off those hoods, and they put, those, they put off those sheets and took up them laptops in mm-hmm. three-piece suits. And now they in our and they call themselves representing everybody, you know. Yeah. See, this is what we gotta start because as long as we just let it all, you know, ride and you know, everybody hating one another, then, you know, this we become the rogue um nation. I think UN is gonna look at us like under Trump, you guys are the rogue nation. Yeah. And then divided, who's how's that gonna help anything against Russia and all these other countries that hate us and sometimes rightfully so i ain't with the russians but i'm just saying so we really got to get our act together god help us god help us we'll take whatever help we can get thanks lynette i I appreciate your call a lot all right let's take a quick break we'll come back with more 818-985-5735 here on the bradcast i'm brad friedman don't go away Five major corporations now own over 80% of all media in the United States, but they don't control us. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener-supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Your support helps us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations across the country. You can make a real difference by supporting independent media. This country ain't going to save itself, but we can all do it together. Join us at bradblog.com slash donate. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. I am Brad Friedman. I'm glad you're here. Uh, on the heels of last week's death of former Congressman John Dingell, who was uh, 92 years old and the longest-serving member of Congress in our nation's history. Uh, he was also a fantastic Twitter follow, by the way. Uh, another sad milestone for Congress today, Republican U.S. Rep. Walter Jones, Walter B. Jones, Jr. of North Carolina. He was once a fervent supporter of the 2003 invasion of Iraq. He later became an equally outspoken critic of the war. He died on Sunday on his 76th birthday. The congressman's office confirmed his death in a statement. Um, His health had been declining in recent months. He entered hospice care in January after breaking a hip. Um, He was a political maverick, as AP describes it, a real one, I would add, unlike some others who may not necessarily or shouldn't necessarily be given that title. Um, He bucked his own party on more than one occasion. He was one of the first Republicans to reverse direction on the war in Iraq. Uh, He was the guy who uh, led the campaign to change the uh, congressional cafeteria to offer freedom fries instead of French fries. And yet he also introduced legislation. He apologized for that and introduced legislation um, to uh, demand that George W. Bush begin withdrawing troops from Iraq in 2006, saying that the uh, whole idea of uh, weapons of mass destruction there had proven to be a lie. 
He said, if I had known then what I know now, I wouldn't have supported the resolution to go to war. And he ultimately signed well over 11,000 letters to the families of dead troops, every single one of them killed in that conflict, uh, which he described as a sort of a penance for having supported it so vociferously in uh in the future. So uh, Walter B. Jones dead on his, uh, Congressman Walter B. Jones dead on his 76th birthday. That means we can all look forward to a special election coming up in the great state of North Carolina, where they have yet to seat uh, one of their (laughs) Congress members from last November due to GOP absentee ballot fraud. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Let's go to Cedric in City of Industry. Hey, Cedric, welcome to the broadcast, sir. How you doing, sir? Can you hear me? I can. Go ahead. What you got? That is most most awesome. So no, I just, I, I, you know, I, I think that we need to, to start with um, some type of not some type of right, right, an, an objective reality. Everyone, you know, hash, you know, bashing people and, and, and saying this and saying that, and, and we really don't have any any method of, of of truth, right? So, like you talked about the senator who just passed away mm-hmm. on Sunday, right? He thought that there were mass weapons of mass destruction, and there weren't. It was probably applesauce in those factories, right? right. Um, and, and then there's there's all this, you know, bashing Donald Trump without because he, he's made some crazy, some he said some 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 damaging things, but he has done some things for the economy. He is a very immoral man. Like what? Wait, wait, hang, hang, hang on a second, Cedric. Like what? I, I was with you there. I'll give a chance to anybody. But what he no he has what has he done for the economy? Well, if we look at the let's be fair to him, right? And I'm not. If we look at what's happened, our, what what is the unemployment rate right now? So that that's a key, one of the key. I'm not saying he's done a a, a whole. He didn't do that. Stuff. He had nothing to do with that. The unemployment rate is exactly what it would have been had I been president of the United States and never showed up for work from day one. This the unemployment rate was was going like at, at this rate uh, under uh, Barack Obama since the uh, since the Great Recession. It, it was it, right, but he's done he's done some some big things for for a lot of small businesses and small business owners. That's why. You see that it, it could have turned around, right? And, it, and it's still going. I'm saying Obama absolutely put it in place and put it in motion. Well, yeah, and uh, you know, giving giving free money away to small businesses, I guess you can consider that doing something uh, for them. And I know that wasn't exactly where you were uh, you meant to go on this call, but I do not wish this show to be the source of fake news and to suggest that Donald that that somehow Donald Trump. Uh, has been good for this economy when, frankly, had anyone not named Donald Trump been president, this economy probably would have been much better. He has arguably slowed it in case after case with his stupid tax cuts, with his uh, stupid tariffs, with uh, just all manner of things. So anyway, Cedric, yeah, go ahead. Finish your thought. I got Yeah. No, no. But the tax cuts and, and a lot of those that's helping the the the, the middle class. He, no, it is not, be- Cedric. Where are you getting this information? The the middle class 
As a matter of fact, the refunds are coming back now. Everybody's complaining they're getting 8% less back in their refunds this year. But no, the middle class is going to lose money because of these tax cuts, not make money. The corporations and the wealthy people, they got all of the, the, the tax cuts, and they are not putting it back into the economy. This stuff is provable. These are actual facts, Cedric. You listen to a KPFK here in L.A., I presume you should know better than that. That? <laughs> All right. So part part of part of what I was trying to articulate was I mean I know it's your show, Brad, and you have to you know we have to sensationalize, right? But I do want to make <laughs> oh, sure man. that that we that we that we look at things we don't just right we look at things a little more fairly. Than All that. right, thank just, you, said. Well, uh, no, giving your opinion is is uh, very welcome, but is not. He hung up on himself there. Uh, is is uh, you're welcome to give your opinion, but it is not sensationalizing to tell the truth and to speak about actual facts. It is sensationalizing to make up stuff uh, that is not real and try to pass it off as if it's reality. Never making stuff off uh, up and passing it off as reality. As our old friend Morris in Long Beach. Hey, Morris, how are you, brother? Yeah. If you decide you're not going to vote, we'll be in trouble. Hey, Brad. <laughs> yes, sir. Let me tell you, let me tell you why that uh, shutdown stopped, because the airline steward is threatening to go on strike. The airline steward is threatening to go on strike. It ain't going to be no shutdown again. Now, if you can harm 800,000 American people that work for you, but you ain't going to shut down a business that supports millions and millions of people. Now, the teachers' union, they're not as strong as they can be, but the airline stewards, the airline stewards if they go on strike and they get the, uh, the, uh, the air traffic controllers to work with them, yeah. Trump ain't shutting this place down. Well, nice yeah, day, uh, yeah, I appreciate that, Morris. Uh, yeah, he's going to uh, that's going to inconvenience Donald Trump's friends if you shut down the uh, airplanes, but shut down the schools. No problem. Our kids go to private schools. We don't have to worry about that. Hey, thanks to everyone who called in today. My apologies to those who I could not get to. Uh, let's see. Also, my thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to my board op today, D'Angelo Jones, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show, feel free to download it for free anytime at bradblog.com or your favorite podcast site. Drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog, And that is it. Until we meet again tomorrow, I insist, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Yeah.